so there has been a lot of talk about experiences, lived experiences of people of colour recently. How do you think this intersects with queer identities and what do you think people need to better understand about this? Well, I would just say that um, you shouldn't discount the experiences of people who are both people of colour and queer. You know, um, they, like, if you look at the history of the LGBT community and LGBT pride, it was started by um, trans women of colour, you know, and there is an incredible overlap and there needs to be an incredible solidarity between the two communities because people of colour have faced extreme racism, extreme bigotry, extreme violence, and so have queer people. And the fact that there is a disconnect and a misunderstanding between the communities is, in my opinion, a bit weird because two communities who have experienced similar discrimination should be standing together and uplifting each other. And especially as, queer pe as a queer person, I've noticed a lot of racism inside the queer community. And it is incredibly awful to witness from people who are like, you know, don't rag on me for being gay, but then rag on a person for being a person of colour. It's disheartening and there needs to be a lot more education and there has to be a deeper understanding and a deeper commitment to, I feel this way, you feel the same way, let's be friends, let's talk about it, let's uplift each other's voices. I have a few thoughts on this. I think it's like, okay, the LGBTI community and sector, I think like there's a huge issue in terms of racism, but also representation of queer, trans, and sex, like people of colour, cutie pock, and also Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander um, people as well, um, sister girls, brother boys. And I think, number one, I think you, you can't, there are lots of myths and lots of um, assumptions I think people make around how someone's culture um, impacts their LGBTI identity. There's often an assumption that if you are queer, trans, intersex person of colour, that it's like, you know, your culture won't accept you, that if you're not from a Western culture, that it's inherently homophobic or transphobic and that's just not true. Um, I think it's really important to acknowledge the history particularly of things like colonization and the impact that's had on a lot of cultures that historically were extremely accepting of LGBTI people and you know had culturally specific roles and that a lot of those roles and a lot of that acceptance was really destroyed when Western um, culture and colonization came in um, and I think especially in Australia we need to acknowledge the impact on that and it's it's really hard you know, you know, as someone who's Wiradjuri, like I was really nervous around, you know, coming out as trans to when I went to Wagga Wagga to sort of reconnect with culture and language, I was really nervous to come out as trans. And I didn't for ages. I just didn't say anything about my identity. And then eventually um, a number of people just, you know, were like, oh, you're a brother boy or like, you know, oh, you know, I've seen you in a few things. And I was like, yeah, human rights. And then eventually someone's like, are you a brother boy? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, oh, my husband's a brother boy and a Wiradjuri elder. And I was like, oh my God. And, and she was like, yeah, and he's the uncle of your two language teachers. And in fact, everyone here is really accepting of, you know, trans people, like you don't have to worry about that at all. And like, you know, slowly I sort of came out to everyone and it was so incredible because it's really hard, I think, for me to feel, you know, authentic or, you know, practice culture, especially in Melbourne, like it's hard to know to take up space. You know, it's not my country, it's not my, you know, people I'm like quite white passing as well. And that comes with a whole other set of things. And like to be in a space where I'm not just seen, you know, culturally, but also seen with my queerness as well was something that was so important to me. And I think those things, I feel really lucky in that because I think it is really hard to find spaces that really validate you 
culturally and also hold your queerness. And those spaces do exist. Like there are some excellent programs and um, people who are running those and resources, but there aren't enough. And a lot of those programs and stuff aren't given more funding. And I, what I would say to people that do have, you know, higher positions, like I think it's just really important to advocate that, you know, queer, trans, and sex people of colour and like Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, LGBTI people, like, you know, that you really consider how you're representing, how you're supporting, how you're advocating. And, you know, if you don't know of any QDPOC groups or resources or events or resources, I would really question that, like, because there is a real gap in that. And I would start questioning that to people in authority and I would push back against it. And I would, you know, look at challenging racism within community as well. And just, you know, start raising those voices up because they're powerful and amazing. And, you know, queer, trans, sex people, current LGBTI, Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander people, you know, have been at the forefront of this for so long. You know, like, look at our LGBTI history. It, like, Stonewall was started by, like, Black trans women. And I think that's something that we continually need to acknowledge. Like, our history is so founded on that. Here in Australia, there's been incredible work by, like, Crystal Johnson, who's a sister girl from Tiwi. You know, we have the highest... Tiwi Island has the highest population of trans people in the whole world. And we don't even talk about that in Australia. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, I just think, like, these are the things we need to start celebrating and highlighting and, yeah, providing space for as well. Sorry, that's my TED talk. <laughs> so how do you distinguish between good LGBT plus portrayals and bad LGBT plus portrayals? I mean, I've got a really simple measure. It's is the content created by an LGBTIQA plus person? <laughs> if yes, and it's a reflective of their experience and identity, then yeah, it's good representation. If it's not made by an LGBTIQA plus person, it's bad representation. Just, it is, it's just bad. It, there's no way that you could re accurately represent <laughs> a story. And same, if you're an LGBTIQA plus person, you're trying to represent an identity that you don't, or experience that you're not reflective of you, it's also probably bad representation. That's just my, that's my first rule. <laughs> if you want to go into like representation, I really like that's a, there's a whole, there's a whole list. Um, but actually no, my, my standard is pretty low. My standard is, oh my God, this cute, there's a, there's a happy storyline and that person happens to be LGBTIQ and it's made by an LGBTIQA plus creator. It's weird that there are literally like three things I can think of that meet those two basic criterion, happy and made by a queer person. <laughs> I mean, um, well, first off, what is good representation? Bury your gaze. I don't know if oh. you guys or the people listening have heard of it. If you have a gay person who is there just to die and to be a fridge, how is that in any way a good thing? Like, I've seen so many, I can count on one hand the amount of queer content I've seen, created by a queer person or not, where the queer person doesn't die or there isn't a queer person who dies. It is ridiculous and it is a thinly veiled, whether the creator notices or not, or whether it's deliberate or not, it is a thinly veiled excuse for extreme violent homophobia that all this gay person is good for is to die. And that's the ending that they deserve to get. And furthermore, how many times do you see a piece of media and the only queer person is a white gay man? Like, what's up with that? Like, where are the bisexual people? Where are the actual transgender people? Where are oh. the people of colour who are queer? Where are the trans-Jewish people? Where are the Muslim people who are experiencing, you know, same thing? Like, it's absolutely crazy. And the fact that the only type of person that you can think of experiencing 
you know, queerness is a stereotype of a white, gay, flamboyant, you know, pink nailed man. Like, sure, there are people like that, but there are so many other people who are part of the LGBT community who need to have their stories told, who need to be represented. It's, it's just shallow, it's uneducated, it's ignorant, and it's dehumanizing. If you can't see a character and imagine them sitting across from you and having lunch with you and talking about the weather or talking about their dog, it's bad representation of any community. Yeah. Also, just, I mean, also, as it's, it's important to, it's really important to focus on the hardships that LGBTI people face. Like, I think it's really important to focus on discrimination, bullying, mental health. But if all the narratives that you're showing are this in really negative, almost like, like really trauma, like, if you're only focusing on that, if your only lens of an LGBTI person is through the lens of trauma, then it's not good representation. Because, you know, that is a valid part of our experience, but it can't be the only part of our experience. And you're not showing the resilience of our community. Often, again, the discrimination you're showing is a really obvious form and it's, you know, not like you don't show the common stuff. You don't show the erasure. You don't show um, that, yeah, that resilience in like the community as well. If we've got one LGBTI person, where are their friends? Where are the communities that we're all a part of? Like, you need to represent that way more. And unfortunately, that's going to mean that you're going to have to cast more than one queer person in your show. So get queer people to play queer people. Stop casting cis people to play trans people. Yeah, that's one of the, that's one of the funniest parts to me when it comes in media, you know? Like, all we, directors or scriptwriters or whatever will get interviewed for movies or whatever and behind-the-scenes stuff. I'm go, you know, we just didn't think it was realistic to have more than one queer person. And I always laugh at that because I'm like, I haven't seen a straight person in like a year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what's straight? What's this? I think I have a straight person in my family. <laughs> no, they don't count. They're family, okay? I met one once. Have you met them before? You might know them. <laughs> Wait, so does that mean you know Steve? He is also straight and cis. <laughs> Ah, so good. Like, I mean, I think for me, when it comes to media representation, is if the character's one personality trait is gay, you've got a bad character. Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> Your entire and product. I'm like, I know for a fact that when I was coming out and first getting into the community, being being queer and non-binary is such a huge part of my personality, just because I am like that. Like my my brain, I guess, is just hardwired like that. So it's, it's, it's a huge part of my personality and I can't see who I am through that. But here's the thing, not everyone is like that. And I have other personality traits other than the gay. Yeah. Other than the gay. I mean, like, just thinking, like, all my favourite movies, I just, I'm so, I bend it like Beckham, what a missed opportunity. But, um, for like, a queer movie. But, you know, it's funny to me, the most represented and most seen I've ever felt was in She's the Man where there's that scene where she's walking what? through the high school when she's first, you know, put on the wig and is trying to pretend to be a man. I was like, I've never felt so seen in my life because that fear of people finding out you're trans is so akin to that. But it's just ridiculous how much you have to look at those mainstream movies and just be like, I want to fit myself in there. And you're like, why couldn't Elle Woods just have been a trans woman? Why couldn't Bennett like Beckham just have been gay? Like, why couldn't you just, why can't we have a movie about, I don't know, like, some people just going on a supernatural adventure, but they all happen to be a queer group of friends. Like, those are the things that we oh, want to see. Oh, I think that's right. People go on an adventure. Sorry. <laughs> I just, I, I just, I just can't believe we still don't have these things. Like, we, hmm. we don't. 
It's like naming well, one movie. Do. Yeah, it's it is or it's super not mainstream or hard to find. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna say like name one movie or TV show that whose plot would be changed by altering the main character to be a queer character and giving them a same sex partner instead of an opposite sex partner. Mm. Give me, give me one movie well, or one TV show. What would be changed by that? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What question yeah. do you wish people asked you less? I wish people would um, ask me less how I have sex. Um, you know, because if you only have one conception of how it works, that's on you. If you're not prioritizing consent and comfort, that's on you. And also, none of your business. Unless you're offering, none of your business. Ash? Yeah, um, I wish people would stop asking me what it means to be non-binary or what queer means or what any other term means because you have the internet in your back pocket and I am not a walking dictionary. <laughs> no tea. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, my brain, I'm just trying to like... I think for me it'd be like those sort of like, oh, really? Or like the, like, why do we need to care about this? Like, what's the big deal? And that sort of surprise at the fact that LGBTIQA plus people are still experiencing some discrimination and hardship even in 2020 and that the idea that just because we bought it in time doesn't mean that these changes and that the reforms that we do and they're like the fights that we have have been on the backs of endless work and fighting from lots of people in community and that these laws these things that we have now are things that we continually have to fight for and it still isn't all good for everyone and you know don't be surprised at the amount of lgbti people that still experience discrimination and harassment and as a result really intense things around mental health and well-being like don't invalidate our experiences and don't pretend like everything's all great because it's not well said can i just add on to my answer bailey if that's all right yeah, I had to do months and months of research to figure out a word that even remotely fit what I felt like. You can do a quick Google search to find out what it means. Yes. What question do you wish people asked you more? Can I buy you dinner? <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. Uh, can I get you a coffee? Uh, can, can I pay for your Uber Eats? Um, also, yeah, I, what can I do to support LGBTIQA plus people? You know, like, rather than just, you know, asking us about educating you, all that stuff, just like, how do I support you? Like, what are the things I can do for you and also for the community? I think that's a really important question that people should be asking. Yeah, it's a great, great answer. Oh, mine's really underwhelming, but um, talk to me about your theories of Star Wars, or let's talk about Star Trek, or let's talk about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You know, um, yes, I'm a queer person. I'm very out and proud about it. I'll talk to it. I'll talk about it to anyone who wants to ask. And I am seen as the queer person. But there's more to me than that. I'm also a massive nerd. You know, I love science. I love music. And I would, I want people to talk to me about those things as well. So when I when I came out and was quite proud with who I was um, at school, the younger queers who had um, siblings that either knew me or knew of me, would often come to me and be like, hey, um, I know you're like the, the big bad bodyguard queer. I loved the alliteration on that, sorry. <laughs> um, I know you're the big bad bodyguard queer, so can you like help me out with these bullies who always wait in this one spot because it's by my locker? 
And I'd always be like, child, I will tuck you into my pocket, take your books and walk with you to class. Let's do this. <laughs> and I, I always felt like there, there was like a, I felt like there was a mild obligation to help them um, because I didn't have that. But also, I don't mind doing it. Like, I, I didn't mind doing it because I have a very protective streak. And um, so f for me, it felt like I was doing what I wish someone had done for me. Um, even though I'm like capable of physically taking care of boys, if it comes to that, that wasn't the point. Like, I just wish I had someone like that. But then like people that I'd been helping out or protecting, however you want to phrase it, for a couple of years would see me bust out, you know, my, my sketchbook and my pencils when I was doing traditional drawing and would go, hey, I didn't know you, you could draw. And it's like, well, you never asked, did you? <laughs> and I'm a private person. I acknowledge that. Um, I don't really easily give up information about myself unless I feel I trust you or I know you. Um, so for me, it's a bit of a moot point when it comes to what question I'd like to hear more because the answer is realistically none. But <laughs> if you're someone I know and you don't know something as basic about me as the fact that I like to draw, just basic questions like that because I am not solely a bodyguard. It's not my responsibility. I'm doing that because I don't mind doing that and I don't mind helping you. But that's not all I am. That's not it. You know, I'm not just Ash the bodyguard queer. I am Ash the artist. I'm this. I'm that. I'm the actor. You know, the dramatic. Uh, I want to say turd, but I don't know if that's allowed. <laughs> the drama queen. Let's go with that. I'm the drama <laughs> queen, you know? Uh, it's just. It, it felt like being that bodyguard kind of persona was all I was. So I think for me, just at the very least, trying to make conversation with me would be would be pretty cool. That that concludes my story time. <laughs> all right. So after a lot of consideration and a lot of nerves, um, my queer anthem that I picked is uh, Don't You Worry by uh, Electric Fields, who are an Aboriginal uh, duo who are amazing. And this song, um, I think I first heard it when I was watching like a Gender Euphoria End performance, and it was just so empowering. I think it really feels like it speaks to the queer community, particularly the trans community, and really feels like it speaks to me. And it's a song I listen to whenever I need a big pick-me-up or just to feel really like gender euphoric and awesome in who I am. Um, there's a band I've been listening to a lot recently, even though I have like a list this long of the queer anthems, which I personally feel speak to me. But um, there's this band called The Amazing Devil, which is Joey Beatty and Madeline Highland. Um, Joey Beatty was Yaskia and The Witcher. Please go watch The Witcher. 100% amazing. Um, their new album, The Horror of the Wild, there's a song called Farewell Wanderlust. And um, the story's a bit hard to extrapolate, but there's a, um, it's basically about a woman who, you know, had a past self and she was torn down, she was beaten, harassed, all those kinds of things. And she's saying, you know, you know, look at what you've done to me. This is who I've turned out to be. Don't be surprised and that kind of stuff. And there's also um, the man singing where he's sort of talking about his own experiences where he's unwanted you know, people have abused him for who he is. He's using his outgoingness and his makeup and his um, flirtiness as a shield. And it kind of speaks to me as a person about the experience of being trans and being gender non-conforming. Because, you know, you do use certain things as a shield. Um, you use 
politeness or you use flirtiness or you use um, being stoic as a shield to mask sort of those what's really going on and you don't want people to see you and it's just it speaks a lot to about you you hurt me a lot you do these kinds of things you bullied and harassed me you do not get to look at me and judge me and you know I'm now I'm happy you don't get to do those things to me again it's just very um, empowering to connect to I feel um. The song that I absolutely adore is um, Colours by Jason Derulo. The song was originally sung, I think it was in 2015 at the FIFA World Cup. So obviously when he talks about the colours, he's referring to like the flags of countries and all that. But every time I hear it, like until the very end where he specifies countries, all I can hear is him talking about raising your flags, show your true colours, things like that. And it like immediately, it's like a, a good version of a flashback. Like, it, like I flash straight back to marching beside queer people in pride parades, you know, with my non-binary flag on my back, my um, rainbow one in my hands. And where it's like, I can see myself in that, playing that like on a boombox, just screaming the lyrics. It's, it's one of my absolute favorites. And if I'm in a funky mood, it's one of my go-to songs to like cheer me up. I love it. <laughs> I love I get a similar feeling. I really want to. I get a similar feeling from Killin' with Kindness by Selena Gomez. I know there's something about the that really remind me of like going to Pride. Yeah. Some really like, yeah, we'll fight you with kindness. <laughs> I have to I have to just quickly add to that. One of the ones on my list is Dancing's Not a Crime. I know, panic at panic at this go, I know. But um there's this line where he goes, you know, I don't want to be your boyfriend, girlfriend. And it's like there's no other like as a non-binary person, it's very hard when I'm in a relationship to sort of feel like, am I your boyfriend? Am I your girlfriend? Because like envy, friend, date, mate, they feel infantile to me. Mm. Like I'm definitely not judging the people who use those, but I just don't feel comfortable at all using them. And so hearing boyfriend, girlfriend is like one term. It's just kind of, you know, it's fun. You know, it's kind of empowering that mm. you can, well, not you can use those terms, but to hear in a song is just banging. Mm. Yeah. Yay! Thank you we so much. We did it!